Okay, this is the oh the thirtieth of April. All right, can you believe April is gone? We're we're uh, uh what is it? A fourth of the way through the year. Yes. Yeah. Woo. That's horrible. <laughs> I mean, we'll be paying. We'll be doing taxes again See, in I'm, like a blink. I'm happy because Jeremiah will be coming home soon. That's true. I'm I'm happy. <laughs> you. Then it can slow down. The the then the it year. can slow down. There you go. Yeah. yeah. That can stop. <laughs> That's true. Oh my gosh. Well, all right, guys. We've been talking about Jacob. And last week, we got to where Jacob had finally just had a belly full of Laban. And Laban, for 20 years, he's been there now. 14, he worked just to get um, Rachel, who he loved. Ended up with Leah first, of course. You know, so this like, I mean, I know karma is just, it's an earthly word. But it is. What goes around comes around. So he he is actually, you know, it's like trial by fire here. Whatever he set up for himself, and this is what I always tell my kids, the decisions you make dictate the life you live. And and it might not come back tomorrow, but somewhere every decision you make affects how you live your life. So be careful with your decisions. And Jacob is no different. And if you look at what happened, I mean, if you think back, here he here he was a young guy, and and um, he uh, used um, Esau's rashness against him, and for a pot of stew, he made or tricked Esau into giving up his birthright. Which, oh my gosh, who would ever give up their birthright, you know? But he did for a pot of stew because he knew that Esau was a rash man. And then he and Rebekah trick Isaac into giving him the family blessing. You know, <clears throat> God had planned to do this all along. But these two jump right in the middle of it and try to fix it themselves. They learn nothing from um, Abraham and Sarah. What happened when they tried to get in the middle of God's plans? They ended up with Ishmael. You know, so, so when you start to try to um, help God with things, it just gets worse. Well, Jacob and his mama had done so much of that, so much wheedling, just to get what God had already promised Jacob anyway. Um, Jacob now is paying a lot for those decisions. And where you think, I always think of Jacob as being on a par with Abraham and Isaac. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? Jacob was brought along in my mind. I'm sure God adored him because he loves us all. But Jacob was brought along because of Abraham and Isaac. <coughs> and the covenant goes Abraham, Isaac to Jacob. And out of Jacob is going to come the 12 sons, which become the tribe of Israel. God knew that. So he can't let Jacob get killed along the way. He can't let Jacob fail anywhere. He, he uses Jacob to, to get the seed for the 12, 12 tribes of Israel. So God is going to help Jacob. But, and he reminds Jacob. He says, I, because of Abraham, I'm here for you, buddy. And Jacob never, as much as God does, as much as God shows him, Jacob never quite gets it. Because Jacob is a wrestler. He was born wrestling. No, he was conceived wrestling. I mean, for nine months, he and, um, and Esau wrestled in... Um, Rebecca's womb, nine solid months. She had no idea what was going on in there. And even when they're born, Jacob is grabbing at his heel to come out first. It was a wrestling match all the way out. And Jacob has been wrestling all his life. That's what he does. 
that's his thing. And so now he meets a master wrestler in Laban. So Laban has taken a lot from Jacob. And last week we talked about the last six years, Jacob figured it out. And because Jacob was a descendant of Isaac and Abraham, God prospered him in that last six years. The first 14, no. Jacob was purely on his own. He had nothing to show for it at the end except two squabbling wives. <clears throat> Not a penny to his name, nothing. But the last six, God blessed what Jacob did. So that when Jacob finally decided it, it was time to go, God appeared to him in a dream and said, go. That's what it took for Jacob to get up. And um, so in... Uh, Chapter 31, we'll just start there and read these because these conversations are important. kind of shows you where Jacob's mind is, okay? Start in chapter 31. <clears throat> Jacob's already noticed that nobody in Laban's family is looking at him with kind eyes anymore. Everybody's mad because Jacob's, um, <clears throat> Jacob's herds are getting stronger and bigger and Laban's are getting weaker and smaller. So they're figuring some way Jacob's got to be cheating them. Well, maybe, you know, depending on how you look at that. But Laban <laughs> deserves everything he's got. God said to Abraham, I will bless those that bless you, and I will curse those that curse you. <clears throat> and Laban has become a curse in Jacob's life. So he's getting smaller, and Jacob is growing. Okay, now look at this. Look at verse 3, 31-3. And the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to your kindred, and I will be with you. So he tells Jacob, you got to get up and get out of there. And then he tells him specifically where to go. He says, go back home to where Isaac lived and where Abraham lived, Beersheba, south of where Jerusalem is, you know, down in that area. Get out of where you are and go back to your home. You can't be much more specific than go to the land of your fathers and to your kinfolks. Go to your kinfolks. That is pretty specific. <clears throat> so he starts to make a plan to do that. And then look at verse 11. Or verse 10. Um, <clears throat> and it came to pass at that time that the cattle conceived that I lifted up my eyes and saw in a dream, and behold, the rams were leaped upon the cattle, were ring-straked and speckled and grizzled. And the angel of the Lord spoke to me in a dream, saying, Jacob, and I said, Here I am. And he said, Lift now up your eyes and see all the rams which leap upon the cattle are ring-straked and speckled and grizzled. For I have seen all that Laban does to you, and I am the God of Bethel. Bethel is just north of Jerusalem a little ways. And that's where the heavens opened and the angels were going up and down on the ladder, okay? So he says, I'm that very same God that was right there at Bethel talking to you 20 years ago. Where you anointed the pillar and where you vowed a vow to me. And there it is, the vow. The vow actually said, okay, because you have... <clears throat> said to me, you will protect me and guard me and guide me and protect me all the way up to Heron and all the way back home again. You truly are my God. He's, he is confessing that he realizes that the God of Abraham and Isaac truly is his God as well. 
And so we vowed to him. He said, I'll go back to my home. You know, that's what he told us. So he says, now rise and get out of this land and return to the land of your kindred. This is like the third time God has said, go home to your kinfolks. That's Isaac. Okay. So, so Jacob calls his wives and he says, look, we got to get out of here now. Laban is not happy with me. And now that I've got enough to take care of you and the kids, we got to go. And what do you think? So Le- Rachel and Leah both go, listen, my, our dad treated us like slaves. He just sold us to you. We don't have any dowry. We weren't given any blessings from the family, which women usually were, given a little something. Said, no, my dad took all of our dowry and just burned it up. So, yeah, let's get out of here. So that was the plan, and they were going. They packed up and started to go. And and um, Rachel, before they left, her dad was three days, Laban was about three days away, shearing sheep. He snuck in, she snuck into their camp and stole all of his gods. Okay. Um, Some Christian writers want to say it's because she was an idol worshiper. But most of the Jewish scholars, even back to the the, um, Targum, say, no, that Laban was a soothsayer. And then they talk about the scriptures where Laban says, I've learned by experience that your God is good to you. And so why don't you stay a little bit longer with me when the first time, this was at the end of 14 years, he says, I, I'll pay you if you stay and work. And so he worked six more years, you know. But he said, I learned by experience. But the word experience there is wrong. It's the word for divination and soothsaying. So he said, I learned by divination and soothsaying that um, you, uh, your God has been good to you. So why don't you just stay with me and I'll pay you a little more because I'm getting blessed in this mix too. So the the actual belief is that she stole his God so that he could not divine where they were going. Um, another reason they say it wasn't that she worshipped those gods is because when her dad came looking for them, she sat on top of them to hide them. And if you are a worshiper of those gods, you wouldn't have been sitting on top of those gods just to hide them. Um, that would have been terrible, you know. But if you think about the people of Haran, you know, that's up in Syria. That's worldly place where they, they had astrology and all kinds of dark magic that was practiced in those areas. And so it would have, it would have been normal for him to be a soothsayer or a divination, you know, a, using divination. It would have been a normal thing. So, um, the deal is she stole the gods to keep her dad from figuring out where they were going or even if they'd gone. And um, I kind of, I tend to believe that. I can't tend to agree with that. The other thing that um, some writers have suggested is that there was a lot of gold and silver in those idols and that that would, to her, have sufficed for her dowry. So either way, they, most, most Jewish, well, I'd say all the Jewish writers and some Christian writers agree that she wasn't worshiping those gods. She was just trying to protect her husband and maybe get a little dowry out of it. Um, but it had nothing to do with her own religious beliefs, okay? I'm not sure what she believed, but 
I think she probably went with her husband, whatever that was, you know. So, okay, anyway, she steals those gods, and then they're off. And that's where we pick up, because we have this strange encounter at Gilead with uh, Laban and um, Jacob after Jacob has left. Now, I'm going to send this map around. Gilead is a huge region, and there are lots of mountains in Gilead, and we don't know exactly where. But it's on the northeast um, side of the Jordan River, way above Jerusalem, you know, way northeast of Jerusalem. So I'm going to pass that around just so you can see. Gilead would be on the top right side, okay, when you're looking at the map. Um, and he's coming from Haran, so that, you know, he's about a week out. That's how far he's gone. But when you figure you're traveling with lots of sheep, lots of goats, lots of um, kids. kids and camels and, yeah, all that stuff, it, it's you're not going to go very fast. So seven days out is not going to be too far from Haran. So anyway, but they meet somewhere in this area of Gilead. Um, so let's just pick up with Genesis 31, start verse 22. And it was told Laban on the third day that Jacob was fled. And he took his brothers with him and pursued after him seven days' journey. And they overtook him in the Mount Gilead. Um, okay. If Laban is hot in pursuit, you know Laban is not happy about this. Probably super angry, actually. Because God appears to him now in a dream and warns him. And God came to Laban the Syrian. He wasn't a Syrian, but he lived in Haran, which is in Syria. So that's why they call him a Syrian. In a dream by night, and he said to him, Take heed that you speak not to Jacob, either good or bad. In other words... Don't even think about touching Jacob. Just don't even think about it. So then Laban overtook Jacob. Now Jacob had pitched his tent in the mount. And Laban with his brothers pitched in the mount of Gilead. So both of them pitched somewhere in those mountain ranges in Gilead. Close by. And Laban said to Jacob, what have you done that you have stolen away unaware to me and carried away my daughters as captives taken with a sword? Wherefore did you flee away secretly and steal away from me and did not tell me that, that I might have sent you away with mirth and songs and tabrets and harps? Do you think for a minute Laban would have sent them away with joy and songs and travail? No, he would never have done that. And have not suffered me to kiss my sons and daughters. And you have done so foolishly in doing this. So here's Laban acting like he's all heard about it. I didn't even get to kiss my grandkids goodbye. I mean, you just stole away my daughters. And I didn't even get to kiss them goodbye. He could have cared less about kissing his daughters goodbye. But he couldn't touch, couldn't touch Jacob because God said, don't do that. And now he looks at Jacob and he says, It's in the power of my hand to do you hurt. He said, I'm strong enough that I could really hurt you guys. But God of your father spoke to me yesterday saying, Take heed that you speak not to Jacob either good or bad. And now, though you would needs be gone because you were sore longing after your father's house, yet why for have you stolen my gods? So he now he's trying to find an excuse to 
that cause trouble. He said, yeah, well, if you were in such a hurry, why did you have to take the time to steal all my gods? And Jacob answered and said to Laban, because I was afraid, for I said, preventure, you would take by force your daughters from me. With whom, whomsoever you find the gods, let him not live. Before our brethren discern <clears throat> what is yours with me, take it to you. For Jacob knew not that Rachel had stolen them. So he said, you go ahead and search the camp. If anybody's got your gods, kill them. And he said, I don't want anything that belongs to you. Get it out. You know. So, yeah, just kill them. He had no idea. So Laban went into Jacob's tent and into Leah's tent and into the two maidservants' tent, but he found them not. And then he went out of Leah's tent and entered into Rachel's tent. Now, Rachel had taken the images and put them in the camel's furniture. All right. When, when people would ride on camels, they designed a chair with, a, with sides on it that would fit over the hump of a camel. Okay? And you would ride up in the chair on top of the hump. Well, when they would take the, the, the saddles apart, they'd just lift the chairs off, and the chairs became furniture in the tents. They were, you know, just chairs. So, Rachel's sitting in one of the camel chairs. The idols are underneath her. Um, now, Rachel had taken the images and put them in the camel's furniture and sat on them. And Laban reached all the tents but found them not. And she said to her father, Let it not displease my lord that I cannot rise before you, for the custom of women is upon me. And he searched, but he found not the images. And Jacob was wroth, and he chewed Laban. In other words, he chewed Laban out. And Jacob answered and said to Laban, What is my trespass? What is my sin that you have so hotly pursued after me? Whereas you have searched all my stuff, and what have you found of all your household stuff? Set it here before my brethren and your brethren, that they may judge between us. So now Laban's caught with egg on his face, because he couldn't find the idols. Laban's right, but he still couldn't find the idol. So here we are, shyster against shyster, still wrestling. And Jacob goes on. This 20 years I have been with you. Your ewes and your she-goats have not cast their young, and the rams of your flocks have I not eaten. That which was torn of beasts I bought not to you. I bear the loss of it. Of my own hand did you require it. Whether stolen by day or by night, thus was I in the day... The drought consumed me, and the frost by night, and my sleep departed from my eyes. Thus I have been twenty years in your house, served you fourteen years for your two daughters, and six years for your cattle. And you have changed my wages ten times, you know, trying to cheat him out of stuff. Except the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac, had been with me, surely you had sent me away now empty." God has seen my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked you yesternight. Okay. Now that backs Laban up. So, you know, when you know you got a losing hand, you have to know when to fold. But Laban's always planning ahead here. So he goes, whoa, 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 whoa. I tell you what let's do. Let's make us a covenant here, you know. So that he's trying to sound like he's the benevolent one and we're going to make this covenant. And this is an important covenant. It's a meal covenant. We talked about these before, but we're going to talk a little bit more about it. That's a question. Yeah. But in his dream, Laban, the God said, don't speak to Jacob, the other back, but he's talking to him. 
I, not to bless him and not to curse him. So you can talk to Laban. I mean, you can talk to Jacob, but not to bless him or not to curse him. Okay. Yeah. So that's what that means by good or bad. So you're not going to try to make another deal with him. You know, come on back and I promise I'll give you this and that and the other. But at the same time, you're not going to say I'm going to kill you either. So um, they can have a conversation. And the safe thing to do then, because he's he knows that Abraham's God has been protecting Jacob all these years. And he knows by divination that, that Abraham's God has blessed Jacob all these years. So the best thing to do is when you find somebody that's on a roll is be their friend. So he's going to say, let's make a friendship covenant here, buddy, so that, you know, if, if, I'm, if you're blessed, then I'll be blessed. So now he's going to take another tack here. And um, Jacob's just as well, I mean, you know, he's fine with it. But um, Laban says this, verse 43. Um, that was a good question, Jim. Thanks for asking, because I forget to say things about that. Laban answered and said to Jacob, these daughters are my daughters, and these children are my children. Yeah. And these cattle are my cattle, and all that you see is mine. And what can I do this day unto these daughters or unto their children which they have born? So he's saying, everything you have came from me. I'm the one that saw to it that you got it. Of course, he knows good and well God's the one that took care of that. Now, therefore, come, let's make a covenant. I and you, and let it be for a witness between me and you. So Jacob took a stone and set up a pillar. And Jacob and his sons and his brethren gathered stones, and they took stones and made a heap, and they did eat there upon the on the heap. Now that's important. Um, they ate a covenant meal, and that is other than a blood pure you know, blood covenant. This is the strongest covenant there is. This meal covenant. It is the strongest covenant. Um, so Laban called the place Jagar Sahadatha, which means gathering place. But Jacob called it Galid, which means testimony. So Laban said, this heap is a witness between me and you this day. Therefore, we will call it Galid. Okay, this is a testimony. And mitzvah, for he said, The Lord watch between me and you when we are absent from one another. For if you shall afflict my daughters, or if you shall take other wives besides my daughters, no man is with us. See, God is witness between me and you. And Laban said to Jacob, Behold this heap, and behold this pillar which I have cast between me and you. This heap be a witness, and this pillar be a witness, that I will not pass over this heap to you, and that you will not pass over this heap um, and this pillar to me for harm. The God of Abraham and the God of Nahor, Nahor was Abraham's brother, the God of their father judged between us, and Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac. And then Jacob offered sacrifice. Now that sacrifice does not mean like, you know, shedding the blood of an innocent animal. That means they offered, they killed an animal and had a meal. It's, it's not the sacrificial, it's not the word for like a religious ceremony. This was not religious because, because Laban is not religious. But it was killing this animal so they could have this big meal between them, all right? It's a bad word that they use there. 
<clears throat> and they did eat bread, and they tarried all night in the mount. And early in the morning Laban rose up and kissed his sons and daughters and blessed them. And Laban departed and returned to his place. Okay. Um, we got to talk about this covenant. We've talked about it before, but this covenant is really important. And it binds us together even today. This one affects us. Because every time we take Holy Communion, we are partaking of this, um, this covenant. It's, it's a meal covenant. And um, before Jesus went to the cross, he gave that same meal, this meal covenant, <coughs> to the disciples. I'm going to show you scripture on it in a minute. And it's, it's called um, friendship, but friendship is um, it's a weak word for what this bond is, okay? Um, but that's what it's called. It's a, it's a meal of friendship. And like I've said before, people don't understand in the, in the West what that's about but that's one of the reasons you know we say why aren't the decent muslims standing up and turning in their brothers for you know for planning attacks on america why are they just being so quiet about it meal covenants you break bread and you get into a meal covenant with with friends you don't dare betray them that's you can't do that without getting under the curse of the covenant so they don't tell because there's a covenant curse that comes with that. And um, um, it's a very fearful thing to do that. So the fact that they, you know, they share those meals together is it's very powerful. And it's very important. So what happens is these friendship covenants aren't passing, but they are a strong and eternal covenant. You don't just get out of a meal covenant. It, it just doesn't happen. Um, just to give you some examples of meal covenants in the past, do you remember Abraham? Well, let's go all the way back to it. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Go to Genesis. Um, um, go to Genesis 18. This is long before... Um, you know, this is long before Isaac goes to the, the... Isaac isn't even born yet, okay? He isn't even conceived yet. But Jesus and two angels show up at Abraham's house. This is just before Sodom and Gomorrah. And what does Abraham do? He goes out and sacrifices, kills an animal, and they all sit down and break bread. They eat the meat and the bread and the wine together, okay? There is a covenant meal that takes place there. And um, so now um, um, Jesus speaks there that Sarah's going to conceive, right? And that's when she smiles and laughs and he says, why is she laughing? You, know, you remember that? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, but just before he leaves to go and blow up Sodom and Gomorrah, he stops because now he's had the covenant meal with Abraham. And this is what he says. He's talking to himself here. Look at verse 17. And the Lord said, Shall I hide this from Abraham, that thing which I do, seeing that Abraham will surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed in him? For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they will keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. 
So God is saying, do I dare because now I'm a friend of Abraham's. I trust Abraham. Do I dare not tell him what I'm about to do to Sodom and Gomorrah because Lot lives there? No. He said, I know Abraham is a man of trust. I can depend on him. I know he's going to be a man of faith. And we have just had this covenant meal. I have to tell him what I'm about to do in Sodom and Gomorrah. So that's why that discussion takes place at all. God would not have to even pause a moment because he's God. Except that he had just entered into this meal with Abraham. And now Abraham is more than just a friend. Um, Go to Revelations. I want to show it to you in the future. And we're going to look at some other scriptures in the middle later. But I want to show this to you. Um, Chapter 3. This is Jesus, and he's speaking to this lukewarm church, Laodicea, which really represents the end-time church where we are now. And they're lukewarm. And he says, I I will spew you out of my mouth. I wish you were hot or cold, but you're neither one. You're just lukewarm, and you make me want to vomit. That's basically what he says to them. But then he says this. Look at verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, what's he going to do? I will come into him and I will sup with him and he with me. He's offering the most powerful and the strongest of all covenants, a friendship covenant. You open the door and let me in and I will be willing to make a permanent, eternal friendship covenant with you. I want to be intimate with you, personal. I will sup with you. He doesn't say, I will fill you with my spirit and you will do this or that or the other. He says, no. This is a very personal thing. I will sit down and and sup with you. I will break bread with you and drink wine with you. And we'll make this intimate, personal covenant. Um, It's a very powerful deal when you enter into those covenants. Um... Look at, let's just look at a couple of scriptures here. Isaiah 41. So, when you take communion with a group of people, are you entering a covenant with those people yes. by default? Yes, in a way you are. You're, you're breaking bread with them. I've always looked at it between God and I, period. Right, right. Um, so we need to be but choosy. There, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, there is that part of it in there. Because it's, you know, you should be a body of believers, Right. You know, which you're already, if you're in the body of believers, you're one in Christ Jesus anyway. So that meal is just, comf- it's confirmation for us. But um, like with the disciples, we're going to look at this scripture in a minute. I'm just going to kind of take you through three of these and show you. But first we'll talk about Abraham and then I'm going to show you us. Um, look at James, I mean Isaiah 41. Are you there? Okay. Um, God is talking about the children of Israel and how bad they've been but yet he says I I will gather you to myself not because of you because really Jacob was a jerk but I'm gathering you to myself because you are Abraham's and when you were just seed in Abraham's loins Abraham and I broke bread together he is not my servant he is not my uh, lesser, this is what I count him to be. Look at verse 8. 
You, Israel, are my servant. That's what he's speaking of Jacob's descendants. You guys are my servants. You're under me. Okay? Jacob, whom I have chosen. But the seed of Abraham, my friend. He said, you're just my servants, but Abraham was my friend. And because Abraham was my friend, I will promise to do those things for you that I promised Abraham. So he reminds them, he said, Jacob, you're just my servant. And I do things for you because Abraham was my friend. That's the way that should be translated. Um, the seed of Abraham, who is my friend. So, all right, now go to James chapter 2. This is New Testament. James chapter 2. Okay, when James is talking about works here, he's not talking about serving in a soup kitchen. Okay, he's talking about whatever you believe to be true, you act on it as if it is true. That's called a corresponding work. So when you come in and you look at these chairs, you believe them to be true, so you just flop down and put your full weight in it. That is faith with corresponding works, okay? Your response to what you believe to be true. That's what he's talking about here. Not just doing good things. But you believe something so much that you act on it as if it's true. Rational or irrational, that's what you act on. So James isn't just talking about doing, you know, good things. He's talking about whatever you believe to be true, that's what you act on. Alright? So, and he's talking about Abraham here. Look at verse 21. Was not our father Abraham justified by works when he had offered Isaac upon the altar? That is corresponding faith. He took Isaac up on that altar knowing that God was going to have to raise him from the dead. Remember we talked about this. Because Abraham was promised that from his seed would come great nations. If he kills Isaac, his, he's a liar. So God believed him to be true, so he put Isaac on the altar. If he killed Isaac, God was going to have to raise him from the dead. But if he doesn't kill Isaac, then God's going to provide the sacrifice. And so Abraham acted like he knew that was more true than anything the world would tell him. So that's a corresponding work. See how faith wrought with his works and by works with his faith made perfect. The scripture was fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God and it was imputed to him for righteousness. He was called the friend of God. Friend is, is not just acquaintance, not just knowing him, but that intimate trust connection. Not everybody gets to be called friend. Okay? Jacob, servant. Abraham, friend. Okay? So, that's exactly where we are. Unbelievers, servants, or less. True believers, born-again believers, friends. Watch this. Go to John 15. This is Jesus, and guess what they just finished having? Friendship meal. They broke the bread and drank the wine. It is the covenant meal. That's why when you take uh, communion, it, it is so important because, number one, it reminds us that we are not, we are not the servants of God. We are family members. We are friends. We are about our Father's business now. Um, yes, we serve in that sense, 
but we are about the family business. We're family now, all right? It's a different relationship um, altogether. And um, we are seated together at the right hand of God in heavenly places with Jesus because we're in him and he's in us. But look what he says to these guys because they're not born again yet because he hasn't been to the cross, okay? All these years he's been following them around and now he's teaching them a truth just like Abraham. Now watch what happens at the end of the meal. He's talking to them about, I'm trusting you with this. I'm telling you how to live your life, and I am completely trusting you with this. What chapter? Uh, start chapter 15 with verse 12. We'll start with verse 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. And this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Friends. Okay, not just for acquaintances, but for his friends. All right. You are my friends. If you do whatever I command you. Henceforth, I call you not servants. For the servant knows not what his Lord does, but I have called you friends. For all the things I have heard of my father, I have made known to you. So that covenant meal now is in operation. They, you, at this point, they are considered, under a covenant, friends of God. This is... This is before being born again. They haven't been born again. Um, so the closest thing you can be outside of being born again, being a part of him and him a part of you, is to be a friend. That's as close as you can get. That's intimate. Okay. And then comes the blood sacrifice, which is a step further. Okay. And then comes being born again, which is not, not just a friend, but a very part of Jesus, a child of the living God. But for right now, that is as strong a covenant as there is in existence between men, this friendship covenant. And it's very important. You have to be careful who you have, you know, who you have a meal with <laughs> and who you make uh, friends with. Um, it was a very important covenant. Okay. So... Um, <clears throat> Abraham was treated as a friend, close. That requires some things. First of all, it requires agreement and obedience to the covenant. So Jesus said, because you obey my commands, because you agree with what I've taught you, and because you obey my commands, then I call you friends, friends. So the first thing in any friendship covenant is agreement and obedience to the covenant. You both agree to the terms. And you both agree to obey the terms. So with Laban and Jacob, it was, number one, you're not going to mistreat my daughters. And number two, you're not going to take any more wives. Okay? And then the other one is, I will not pass this marker with hate in my heart. I'm not going to come after you to hurt you ever. I will never pass this marker with hate and, and uh, to do you harm. And you can't do that either. So those were the covenant agreements. They both agreed to those. They took the meal on it, and now that's the first part of it. The second is loyalty and dependability. You had to be able to trust that person. 
I don't know why Laban would trust Jacob or Jacob Laban, but somehow the word of a man and a meal made that so sacred that neither one would break the covenant. Two shysters going out of covenants, kind of a funny picture to me. Okay, and the next is <clears throat> being able to confide in that person. You know, tell them the truth. Don't be a liar. Speak the truth in love, whatever it is. You have to have that ability to confide. <clears throat> so they ate that covenant meal together, and then Laban went on his way. So now there is a friendship covenant between them. Laban, they'll never see each other again. But Laban will never come after him to kill him, nor will Jacob go after Laban to kill him. And so there's peace. But on the other hand, too, Jacob is left uh, without abusing his wives at all. He has to be nice. And he can't have any more wives, which who would want? You already got, you know, Rachel and Leah going at it all the time. And then Bilhah and Zilpah on the other end of that. And you're just going, who needs more trouble than that? I don't know how you guys can handle more than one of us. Seriously. Amen to that. <laughs> I don't know how these guys did it. I really don't. Even even with separate tents, it would make me nuts. And, you know, if I was a guy, I'd be having a little trouble with that. Yeah. So now Jacob has taken care of one thing in his past. He's dealt with Laban, and he's done with Laban. And now he's turning home, and guess what? He runs into another thing. The decisions you make dictate the life you live. The very next thing he runs into is having to meet up with Esau. And there's great fear and trepidation in Jacob, which I think is funny seeing as how God has so many times said, just go home to your fathers. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to see that you have everything you need. You're not going to have to worry about dying. I'm not going to let anybody kill you off because I've got a promise with Abraham here. You're going to be fine. Just go home. And still he is so afraid, so gripped with fear about meeting Esau that he can hardly think straight. And then Esau just does a really good one, scares the liver out of him because he and about, I forgot how many thousand men go after and come to meet him. Esau is actually excited to see his brother, but Jacob doesn't know that. He just gets the word that, oh no, he's coming to get me. He's coming with, let me see how many thousand men are coming maybe just hundreds but it was a lot and um so it scared him to death but let's just read the first couple of verses and then we're going to stop there i'm just setting this up for next week um okay start with verse one in chapter 32 and jacob went on his way <clears throat> and the angels of god met him there he was he had an open vision and there are angels doing exactly what they said. You know, first of all, they were going up and down the ladders when he started out. Now that he's heading home, God shows him the angels again so he knows that the covenant and the promises still stand. And you would think that would give him great peace, wouldn't you? And when Jacob saw them, he said, This is God's host. And he called the name of that place Mananiah. And Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother, into the land of Seir in the country of Edom. And he commanded them, saying, Thus shall you speak to my lord Esau. Calls him Lord. And that word Lord literally means like master, 
you know, uh, sovereign, controller, ruler. He's trying to be really humble here. <laughs> Your servant Jacob says thus, I have sojourned with Laban and stayed there until now. And I have oxen and asses and flocks and men servants and women servants. And I have sent to tell my Lord um, that I may find grace in your sight. So the messengers returned to Jacob saying, we came to your brother Esau. And also he comes to meet you with just 400 men. Okay, only 400 men are coming <laughs> with him to meet Jacob on the road. So that's the last that Jacob has of that word. So we're going to stop there in the next week. Um, we'll find the wrestling match because that's the only way God knows to get to him. And um, so we'll just pick it up there. I can't believe this is the 30th. Oh, my gosh. All right, let me just pray for you real quick. Oh, my goodness. Father, I just speak blessings over um, every one of us around this table. I thank you that we can appropriate those blessings, Lord. And I speak them not only over us, but over our children and our children's children. Those that aren't even born to us yet, Lord, I just, I cover them all in the blood of Jesus. And I, I just declare that they're blessed and they're going out, blessed and they're coming in, blessed and they're laying down, blessed and they're rising up, blessed in their baskets and their stores, blessed in the things that they set their hands to, Father. The full blessing in your name belongs to them. Defense, deliverance, protection, victory, prosperity, health and wholeness, Lord, soundness in their lives, nothing missing, nothing broken, Lord. And, and for all those blessings that you poured out on us, we give you the praise, Lord, all the praise. And now I just ask that you cause us to be a blessing. Bring people into our lives that we can minister to. Open doors for us to be able to share your word and your gospel with other people, Lord. Um, we so desire to see your kingdom filled up with, with your creation, Lord. And we ask it all in Jesus' name and because you're so faithful, um, we believe we've already received the answers and we expect to see them manifested, Father. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Oh, my goodness, guys. Have a fabulous week. You too.